Did you ever think you'd be paying more than $1,000 for your next smartphone? Good grief. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to Gadget Reason Radio. This is your host, Sean, and this is your tech download for July 20th, 2017. Another round of iPhone 8 rumors are coming out. This report from Forbes is detailing that the OLED display, curved glass, new physical design, inductive charging, and other unconfirmed changes, including biometric facial recognition, are all going to be driving the price of the new iPhone 8 up over $1,000 for the first time in the phone's history. This is really interesting because the rumors of the $1,000 phone price for the iPhone 8 have been circling for a while, um, but realistically, they're saying that the base version of this phone might be $1,000, which means that if you get the one with the right amount of storage space and whatever, you're probably looking at somewhere upwards of eleven dollars to $1,200. Now, you know, a few years ago, this may not have been as significant when everybody was still doing two-year contracts, at least here in the U.S., and getting phone subsidies on the purchase of a new phone. But now that that's pretty much all but gone, you're looking at, as a new cell phone shopper or new smartphone consumer, shelling out $1,000. And even on these payment plans that most carriers are sort of implementing now to help offset that heavy cost of a new smartphone, you're probably looking at a monthly payment plan of somewhere around 60 to $70. I mean, I'm just doing quick math here. It, it seems like it's going to be driving the price of your bill per month up pretty high, especially if say you and your wife or you know you got two people on your plan and both people want to get the new iphone you, you know you could be looking at a pretty hefty hike in your monthly cell phone bill so i don't know about that i mean i'm pretty i'm pretty embedded into the apple ecosystem you know i love the um, the handoff feature where you can pick up one task from from one device to another you know instantly you know obviously icloud and, and a lot of other things i i utilize between all my ios devices but um, this might be the first time where I might have to consider something else, especially if if the alternative options to the iPhone 8, um, such as possibly maybe an iPhone 7S or 7S Plus, are not going to include a lot of the, I don't know, more interesting technology uh, advances that have come to a lot of the, the higher-end Android phones. I, I, I could see myself possibly making the jump here back to Android. I mean, I was an Android fan for a long time before I made the switch to iPhone. And I went back and forth for a few years, but I would say it's been about three or four solid years now that I've been pretty stuck on the the iPhone just due to that ecosystem that I'm embedded with and it kind of helps my productivity through the day. So, you know, but $1,000 is is pretty steep. And and I know that that $1,000, I never buy the entry the entry level iPhone. So I'm probably looking at probably $1,100 or $1,200, um, which, you know, is... Maybe I could justify if I consider keeping the phone for more than two years. I have to admit that the last few iPhone upgrades have started to feel less and less important. The biggest reason why I jumped to the iPhone 7 over the 6S Plus, or the, uh, the, the 6S Plus was because I wanted the, uh, the ability to have the waterproofing. And I think that was kind of my big selling point. But um, I, I don't know. You guys let me know what you think. Either leave a call in or hunt me down on social media at Gadget Reason. And let me know if you'd be willing to pay $1,000 for the new iPhone. Nintendo Life is reporting that analysts are expecting the Nintendo Switch hybrid console to end the company's so-called two-punch strategy. Over the past couple of years, Nintendo has relied pretty heavily on a two-system cycle that would include launching a home console as well as a portable gaming console to kind of provide a one-two punch to their steady revenue increases. And it's worked out pretty well for Nintendo. But obviously the Nintendo Switch being a hybrid console that can be used either at home as a traditional console or 
to be carried with you on the go, similar to the Nintendo 3DS and other portable systems from Nintendo. Uh, that's obviously going to put a dent in that strategy. However, some analysts are stressing concerns because this strategy has worked so well for Nintendo over the past few years. What will this mean for the company's bottom line when they're only launching one console every few years instead of multiple? Um, I think personally that this is going to be just fine. I think that the Nintendo Switch is going to continue to be a much, much bigger success than people have expected. And I think that, you know, when you look back at the miserable failure that was the Wii U, and the slow start that the Nintendo 3DS had for the first year and a half to you know, 18 months of its life cycle, I think Nintendo has really learned quite a lot um, about what it is that customers want or specifically what their type of customers want. And as someone who's used the Nintendo Switch uh, pretty much since the launch day, I got mine on March 3rd when it was first released, I can tell you that it definitely has changed the way I look at gaming. There's something really cool about being able to play a game system in the same way you would a portable console, which means bite-sized chunks of gaming, you know, maybe 15, 20 minutes at a time throughout the day. But then at the end of the night or either on the weekends, being able to slap that thing into its dock, broadcast it onto my, you know, 75-inch TV and, you know, play a full true gaming experience without having to transfer data or, or switch my gameplay experience at all. It's the exact same game that I'm playing whether I'm at home or on the road, is really what is appealing to people who are interested in the Nintendo Switch right now. So I, I think that not only will the Switch continue to do well, but I'm sure that based on its success, Nintendo is probably already planning the Switch 2 or whatever it's going to be called. And I don't think that they're necessarily going to have any kind of revenue hit due to the the fact that they're only releasing one type of system going forward. And, and that's not even to say that Nintendo won't continue to launch some type of fully dedicated portable console, maybe aimed at a younger generation of gamer, or, or maybe they just uh, decide to launch something that's going to be a little bit more beneficial to parents or you know whatever the case might be. We don't really know what Nintendo's plans are, but if they do decide to go with this single system strategy going forward, I think that they'll be able to manage just fine, especially when you take into account their huge library of first-party characters and IPs that obviously people continue to love year after year. Elon Musk turned to Twitter once again, this time using the platform to announce an agreement between New York City and DC governments to build a Hyperloop extension that would allow for a 29-minute commute. Now, he did say verbal agreement, and when Dave Lee from BBC pressed him on Twitter asking why verbal and it seems premature to announce unless you're trying to drum up support for the project, Elon Musk replied with support would be much appreciated. Well, Elon Musk is obviously one of the more savvy businessmen around and obviously one of the more uh, Twitter happy CEOs out there. And so he's done this type of thing before. He's used Twitter to kind of drum up support or get the public behind any idea that he's trying to promote. And I think this is probably a case of the same. And obviously he's been trying to get more and more support for the Hyperloop project since he announced it. So I think that a 29 minute, 29 minute commute rather from DC to New York sounds fantastic. And I'm sure that the Hyperloop in, in a lot of cities is something that would be welcome. But uh, obviously there's a lot of other things to take into account like the technology being fully ready for public consumption, as well as any of the costs and subsidies that the governments might have to uh, supply to be able to afford putting these hyperloops in place. So it's while it's a sensational and eccentric quote from Elon Musk, nothing, uh, nothing new there. But whether or not there's really any kind of agreement between the governments there to get that loop going between New York City and DC is still yet to be seen. 
Fortune has once again declared Apple the most profitable company in the world, despite coming in ninth overall in the Fortune Global 500. Apple came in ranked ninth overall in the total Fortune 500 rankings, but number one in profitability. Apple's profits are currently listed at $45.7 billion, and this of course comes as a follow-up to a story from last week that Apple was still well on its way to becoming the first company to be valued at a trillion dollars. So basically, unless Apple bombs out on the iPhone 8 launch this year, then you can pretty much go ahead and bank on the fact that Apple will probably be the first trillion dollar company sometime early next year and that their uh, overall profits should be well over $50 billion at that point. So basically, yeah, things are still going pretty good for Apple. Nintendo recently filed a trademark application in Europe for the Nintendo 64 controller. This could very well be the first indications we have that Nintendo is planning the Nintendo 64 Classic Mini console to follow up on the SNES Classic Mini that's going to be released in September. This report aligns pretty well with the fact that the NES controller and SNES controllers were also filed with similar patents before their announcements were made, so the logic does seem to pretty much line up with the fact that we are going to see an N64 Classic Mini console. And this really shouldn't be a surprise to too many of you out there because Nintendo's pretty smart and they know when they've stumbled onto a good thing. The NES Classic quickly flew off shelves when it was announced last November and really never saw a real true restock. It was just on back order until they finally discontinued it. The SNES Classic that was just recently announced and still has yet to go on sale here in the US is already set to be a huge seller with most retailers already anticipating pre-orders to sell out almost immediately. I fully expect we'll see this trend continue on at least until the uh, GameCube version of the mini console series is released. Beyond that, who knows if they'll continue it on to something like the Wii. I'm pretty excited for the prospect of the Nintendo 64 Classic Mini because there were a ton of iconic games for that system and I can only imagine what kind of game package lineup they'll put together for that once it's announced. So what do you guys think of that? Do you think you'd be down to order and hunt down the Nintendo 64 Classic Mini? Are you gonna wait in line at two o'clock in the morning hoping to get one before they sell out? Let me know, give me a call back, find me on social media at Gadget Reason. Give me your thoughts. Well, to something that surprised most everybody on the planet, Google Glass is not dead. Google Glass is indeed back, but this time not as a mass-produced consumer product trying to be pitched as the next great wearable technology, but instead it's showing up on the factory floor. It turns out that industrial companies are finding many uses for Google Glass, at least in its new iteration, and some of the things that it's being used for are reportedly to show step-by-step instructions, help choose the right tools, photograph and report on quality problems, and other things that might occur on the factory floor. Reportedly, companies are hiring third-party software developers to help adapt Google Glass for their specific purposes, and Google is working with these companies to create an enterprise edition, which has improved features like better connectivity and longer battery life, as well being able to be fixed to safety glasses. Who knows, maybe Google will have more success using the Google Glass for this purpose than they did trying to sell it to consumers. That's it for your tech download on July 20th, 2017. If you enjoyed the content, go ahead and favorite the channel and you'll get notified when new episodes are put up. And also you can follow me on social media at Gadget Reason. Start up a conversation, leave me a call in. Just let's get talking, guys. I'd love to hear more on your guys' thoughts on any of the things discussed here on the show. That's it for today. I will talk to you guys tomorrow.